We are back with the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for taking the time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi. Good morning, Fred. And joining us from Sweden once again is consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Hi, Michael. Hi, Fred. Hello, Alan. Great to be hey. here. Good afternoon, I guess there, right? Yes, it's afternoon. Before we get started, we want to share this message from CARTS and the Princeton Smart Driving Cars Summit. For years now, companies big and small have been investing billions in building vehicles capable of driving themselves. The advancements have been great. The testing has been impressive. And now it's time to take the technology and all that has been learned and put it to use in places where it can do the most good. Providing mobility, life-changing mobility, for those who have had limited options at best. Trenton Moves will provide safe, equitable, affordable, and sustainable high-quality mobility through the deployment of 100 autonomous vehicles throughout the state capital. It will be the first large-scale urban transit system in America to be based entirely on self-driving shuttles. A first in using the technology where it can do the most good. 70% of Trenton's households have limited access to a single car or no access at all. The state, the city, and the community, teachers, students, young and old, are all part of the Trenton Moves effort and planning. And it will be a model to build on for many others in New Jersey and beyond. Join us at the fifth annual Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th to learn more and be a part of the next step in providing mobility for all. Visit cartsmobility.com for more information and register today. The June issue of The Dispatcher is out, and in the lead article, Michael, you're talk, taking a critical look at NHTSA, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's new car assessment program. And you were motivated here by some comments from those who had started the program, what, 40 years ago? Well, as I said in the um, opening paragraph, um, I'm sure there are gonna be a lot of people who are looking at this and saying, you know, we've got to stop this guy. And he's, he's just, he's gone overboard. He's doing, he's, now he's criticizing the one program, the one thing that the government has been doing related to cars that really is useful for consumers. I mean, the, the um, new car assessment program has been used, there are five stars and, and uh, the information that's being provided to consumers, people really, they like it, they feel that it's, that it's useful. Why is he criticizing it? Because when you, when you begin to re read the, um, the article, you understand that the critical look means that I'm taking a critical look at the program and saying this probably never should have started and at this point we should find another way of doing achieving the goal that that it was set up to achieve in another way okay so why why am i saying this what is what is the what happened the new car assessment program started during the uh, administration of of um, jimmy carter it was initiated by the, um, the director administrator of, the, of NHTSA, Joan Claybrook. And the purpose was to provide information to consumers on the safety of cars. So when we think of the new car assessment program, we think of stars, it's got five stars. A car has been evaluated by, by NCAP and it gets five stars or four stars, or you know, if, it, if it's really a junk, it, it gets one star or no star. But, but what I've tried to say here is this, the information that's being provided to consumers is very good. 
they get an they, they get the the best possible information about what happens in, in case of a crash. But there are two two issues that I take with this whole program. First, with NCAP, Joan Claybrook and those around her who set this program up and all of those who have continued it since, since it was established in 1979 have created another set of standards to which the cars that are tested must either satisfy or hopefully satisfy on top of the federal motor, motor vehicle safety standards. They have created, NCAP has created an, an alternative set of standards, which the car manufacturers, if they want to get five stars or four stars, they have to follow. And those standards are different. It doesn't matter whether there, there are more of them in the FM, FM PSS versus in CAP, NCAP. Those standards in NCAP are different from those in the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards, which means that if a car company, a car company has to meet the FMVSS standards in order for it to be put on the road. Now remember, there's no testing agency. NHTSA isn't testing every car like we do in, in Europe. Every car in Europe, before it's put on the road, goes through a component and whole vehicle testing process. There are testing agencies that test the entire vehicle. So that doesn't, that doesn't occur in the United States, but the, every car is tested by every manufacturer in its own laboratories, in its own testing facilities to ensure that they are self-certifying. They're saying, we tested the car according to the, to the FMVSS. It meets the FMVSS, therefore allow us to put it on the road. And, and NHTSA says, okay, we believe you, you've tested it now you're allowed to put your car on the road. That's the difference between Europe and the United States. But if you want your car to get five stars, you, you provide, you, you deliver the car, actually the, and NHTSA buys the car, they buy it off the lot, they take it to their lab, they do the tests, and if it fails, you've got a big egg on your face. But your car is still on the road, allowed on the road because it's past the FMVSS. Now, you know, there's, a, there's an old saying too, it was, it was a Louis Kahn, the, the, the famous architect, great arch, American architect said, two gardens is no garden. It means if you've got two gardens, you don't know which one to, to, you're gonna sit in. You know, the sun is over here, yeah, yeah but you, you, know, you have furniture, extra furniture, make one nice garden. And what I'm saying is make one nice set of standards and we have them. If when, Joan Claybrook and her, and her sidekick, Jack Gillis, put this whole thing together. If they had said, you know, these standards, we got the FMV, this, it's, it's too slow. We need, to have, we need to have the car moving faster so that we can really get information. No, instead of doing that, instead of changing FMVSS, so we'll do our own. And you, you keep doing that FMVSS stuff and you can put your car in there, but we're gonna do our own. And it just continued. More and more of the, of the, the requirements in the, the NCAP were changed in order to provide better information. And my point is there was nothing preventing her or NHTSA at the time. It wasn't like you had to have an act of Congress to change the, change the standard. You wanna change the standard? change it. That's what they've done. They've, they've increased the, the severity. They've added new standards. They've, they put in more information that, to provide better information out rather than developing something that's separate. And it's continued. You know, they've, put a, they've just put out, NHTSA has just put out a piece of information or, or request for information to, to enhance, to improve, to, in, to in, increase all of the information in NCAP. Don't do that go back to FMVSS, change everything that's in there, add what's needed and use that in order to provide the information to every customer who's buying a car in the United States. Now, I'm, I'm not just saying this for the US because this, we have the same problem here in Europe. We have the type approval, the standards in the type approval are the same for all the cars. You test a car in, in, in for any, any market 
in one country and that the car can be sold everywhere. But NCAP, just like in the United States, the United States was first, by the way, NCAP started in the United States, but it's now the Euro NCAP, we have China NCAP, Japan NCAP, and so on. And those are, are separate. They're not the same in order to increase the, the, um, the possibilities. Now, I haven't gone into the same detail with Euro NCAP as I did with, with the US, but in a nutshell, that's my point. So beat me up if you like, but that's, that's, how I've, that's what I think we should be doing. We should not have two sets of frameworks or multiple frameworks. We have one good one. And eventually, hopefully, rather than having the car companies testing their cars, we can have laboratories like, like we have in Europe doing the testing so that all the cars are tested in, a, in, a, in an equivalent way and same, same type. But we do have a set of standards in the United States and that's the federal motor vehicle vehicle safety standards. All right, Michael, let me, let me beat you up like I always like to beat you up if I may. Um, <clears throat> standards, at least in, in my mind, and, and I, I could have it wrong, really set what the minimum requirement is. It sets a floor, maybe, okay, for which some may wish to do better than the floor, which is what the stars, in my own mind, tend to relate and suggest. Uh, and I guess part of my problem with the five I have a different problem with this is five stars mm -hmm. uh, you know I think they should have 10 or maybe 20 or 30 or 50 but but more than five because because the five that they have now I think deal with with crash severity they've been in the crash mitigation business um, you know the design has been focused on okay we're going to have crashes uh, let's see how, how well we can survive them. And of course, one of the arguments that I guess I was pushing a number of years ago or when we sort of started smart driving cars is that now if you put some intelligence in the vehicle, uh, the whole thing may be not crashing. In other words, you know, things that, that would keep the car from crashing. And somehow they should be rated. They should be, you know, start number six, seven, eight, nine, or something like that, depending if, you know, the whole thing can intervene. I mean, we sort of started down that road with analog brakes that really, you know, I try to push the brake through the floor and the thing comes back and says, hey, Alan, you're stupid. You know, come on. I know how to break this thing. Uh, I'll take over and, and I'll, I'll pump the brakes. I won't let you lock the door. Or the, the, uh, the, uh, um, traction control that was mandated in, in 2012 in all vehicles, you know, to say that if I'm going around a bend too fast, man, and the whole thing says, phew, I'm taking over, you know, it tweaks the steering. I don't know what, it, what the heck it tweaks. It keeps me from losing my butt, which is really good. And, and somehow some of these systems were better or worse than others. And as we've been seeing over the years lately, in terms of the automated emergency braking systems, you know, the extent to which there. they work, don't work, you know, whatever, and so on, and see, don't see. Yeah, we, we covered that. We covered that extensively last time we talked on the on, yeah, on this. Yeah, no, and we have covered it extensively. Yeah, yeah but but I mean, yeah. these are these are you know the. I mean, if you you can be in the crash mitigation business, you can also be in the crash avoidance business, and maybe merge the two darn things and be in both the crash avoidance and crash mitigation business. But certainly before you had, you know, the computer stuff and da 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 da, yeah, you, the only thing you could be is in the crash mitigation business. You know, airbags, crumple zones, you know, blah, blah, boo, things that keep the engine from, you know, taking out my legs, uh, the steering column, you know, from pone, you know, <laughs> the cigarette lighters, chung, I mean, 55 Chevy. <laughs> oh, can, we, can, we go, yeah. can we get yeah. to your, yeah. your point okay. was yes. a standard is the floor. That was I, your, I don't know. That's your point. I, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's maybe okay. that's just my brain and I, I, I need to be educated. Okay. So when you, when they started this with saying that, that it, 
the, the, F, the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard was too lenient. It didn't give you enough information, the, the, the speed that they tested, because what they were doing was to see whether if you crashed at a certain speed, what was the likelihood that you were going to be killed in the, in the car or severely injured? That was the point. Okay, now we start with that. If you're saying that we have a, we have a Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards Standard that doesn't really test whether you're going to, you're going to be killed or injured because it's it's at too slow a speed what is that what is that really saying to you what is that really is it saying well we're, we want to get as many cars on the road as possible we want to make this as easy as possible for you to put a car on the road we don't really care if people die or get injured you know you test it and if it, if it may if it passes this little test that we have put out here then it's okay to put the car on the road is that really what we want to be doing with a with a federal motor vehicle safety standard my point is no every car that goes on the road if you want a minimum make the minimum at least the safest as it possibly can be and the, and that's the speed at which they're testing is still relatively small if they're not testing at 100 at you know 100 miles an hour you know, they're not testing at 65 miles an hour. They're testing at a, at, at a fairly low speed, but it's high enough. It's higher than the, the, the motor vehicle safety standard to be able to give some results. So, this, you know, when you, when you see the dummy crashing its head into the, into the, you know, to the airbag, you know, you know that something's happening there. But, but if it's at, at the lower speed. So if, if, if the government says what our objective is, is to get as many cars on the road and have the cars as cheap as possible so that people can buy them i can understand that if that's the if you want to set that as the goal and then then we've got this other thing that, that's going on here the other thing that's going on is that we want to actually tell you whether you're going to survive a crash so we have we're going to get all the cars on the road but we're going to tell you what car so you you can buy whatever x x y z cars and, and of course, they cost 10 times more than your little, you know, Cinquecento. Um, because, sorry, they don't sell Cinquecentos anymore in the U.S. My point. That's my point. So I wonder what that guy from the class of 55, what was his name, Nader? What do you say? <laughs> well, who, oh, you know, this is, this is, I, I, I get, I get to, to Ralph Nader. I mean, and his, and he's, he's in here. Because he's, he was the he was Joan Claybrook's ticket into Nizza. So she worked with him, and then he got things going, and and everything with federal motor vehicle safety standards, Nizza, the whole thing. I put in here the history, and I think it's it's worth reading the article just to get an understanding of what is Nizza, what is is, how did it all start, what is NCAP, how does it all fit together, and Ralph Ralph Nader deserves an enormous amount of credit for for all everything being put in here. But Joan Claybrook grew up in his kindergarten and then she went into Nizza and then she went, she moved on. She didn't move very far because she worked for in, the, in one of his companies, public, uh, public, public citizen from 1982 until 2009. And the, and the reason I said that, that I, was, I was encouraged to, to look into this and begin writing it because she's saying, you know, Nizza's no, NCAP is no longer worth anything. And her, her sidekick, Jack Gillis, is saying the same thing. You know, it doesn't, they don't really do enough. They don't test enough. Look at what's going on over there and over there in Europe and in Japan and China. You know, they're doing much more. The fact is that they're not. I mean, I don't know where they got this story from, but the, it's like we want to push them to do, we want to do more, you know, put in more standards, put it. Well, what about what about the federal motor vehicle safety standards? What about type approval? What about all of these things that are over here? Now, you know, you're going to make this thing bigger and better. And, and so I said, that's how I started this, because she was criticizing her, her, own, her own child. I mean, she, she came up with this idea with, with, with Gillis. They only had a couple of years to do it, and then they left. But Jack Gillis left Nitsa, and he took, he took the car book with him. He's been publishing this information since he left he's been putting together the book since he left Nizza that we're getting and we're seeing this information in, in a published form now Nizza is responsible for this this is Nizza 
it's not, nobody owns NCAP other than NHTSA in the United States. It's different in Europe. It's different in other places, but in, in the United States, NCAP is part and parcel of NHTSA. So whatever they do there in, inside NCAP belongs to NHTSA. Anything that's, it's not sort of a private little operation moving off in the side, it's, it's government. But Michael, yep. uh, but, but, you're, you, but you are saying that it's good that NHTSA is going out there and doing the crash testing and providing the stars, right? Uh, well, because, I, because I, sort of, I sort of, wait a minute, I sort of said that. I yeah. said it's good. They're doing, they're doing something that I've been saying they should be doing for yeah. all cars. They should be doing the equivalent of type approval. They should right. be doing the testing. Now, the fact that they're doing, they are doing testing, yeah. but they're doing it with another set of standards, the NCAP standards. So I'm, I'm not saying that they're, it's good that they're doing this. I'm saying that, yeah, the idea is good, but they should be using the same set of standards for all the cars in their NCAP testing. But, but you asked the question, Michael, that, that uh, why vehicles that don't get the top ratings, why are they allowed to be sold? Um, you're, you're not saying every, every car that's on the road should be able to meet the, the what, would, what would we call it, the five-star rating? Or, or what, what, are, what, what are you saying what, here? Yeah, what I, yes, we are. What, what I'm saying is if, if, if a car is, is, doesn't meet the requirements which have been set up as a minimum to provide safe operation for people to the sort of the, you're not gonna die in the crash or at least you have to be traveling at a much higher rate than, than our little little you know speed limit here in order to be severely injured. If you travel at, the, at a, a reasonable speed and that speed is what we're testing the cars at, that's an end cap. But in, in the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard, it's, it's lower. And what they've said is that we've tested this and we found that that lower speed doesn't provide any useful information about the severity of your, your injury or the potential for death because it's too low. So increase the speed as part of the federal motor vehicle safety standards. And if, if you say, well, that's, in other words, if you do that, then every car will get five stars. Well, okay, you, is five stars the minimum for a car to go onto the road? Fine, then set that at zero. And then keep, you can keep going. You can test the car at, at 60 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, 200 miles, whatever you wanna do. And say, if, you, if, you, you know, if you're traveling at, what does is, what is Elon Musk call it? This, the speed when you're gonna really go, yeah, it's gonna be really, really fast because you can go really, really fast in one of his cars. And if you drive that fast, then you get five and you, and you survive a crash, then you get five stars. What about Alan's point of, of extending this beyond what happens when it does crash to actually the a rating of how good a vehicle is in preventing there, that crash there's from no, happening? There's no reason that, that that's already included in and NCAP, NCAP in Europe, has, and that was one of the things that they were referring to. NCAP in Europe includes some of this information. It's information. They, they, your car has this. So you get, you know, you get an extra point. Your car has that. You get an extra point. Now you want to test it. They're, they're absolutely your test. And by the way, to go back to last month's article where I said, this is being done now in the UN operation, WP29. This is where they're, this is where they're actually doing it. They're writing the specifications. Those specifications are putting in, being put into type approval. And eventually they'll be putting into, put into F, FMVSS those requirements are being written in order to go in there, in order to be able to, to, to use these, this framework, this test, these specifications, to be able to test the cars, to say these cars pass the test. And if they don't pass, then, you know, yes. That would make an interesting video showing the, the, the crash dummy coming up to the wall and the vehicle stops. There's no crash wait, wait, and, and wait, the dummy wait. smiles. <laughs> Fred, Fred, what, five years ago or six years ago, um, a Subaru did a commercial um, um, that, that basically uh, was just so good because it was one of these crash 
you know, testing facilities and you had the dummies in the car and then you had the, the dummies family outside of the car watching the poor dummy <clears throat> about to go. And, and as the car starts going down there, the poor family looks at, you know, they, they change the facial expression on the poor uh, dummy's family like they're going to lose its father and so on. And as the thing approaches and, you know, and they're like, and then all of a sudden eyesight comes in and they come in and they say, wouldn't it have been better if we wouldn't have crashed? super eyesight da, 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 da. I mean I just thought that was one of the most wonderful commercials you'll have to play it well I'll give it to you it's Absolutely. terrific it's yeah. it's terrific because in, in a sense you know that's when we look at all this technology that we talk about we talk about you know moving people and so on and so forth the, the whole opportunity to be able to to avoid a crash and really get you know, yes, we want to deal with there's a crash, absolutely survive the sucker. Yes, crash mitigation. But all of a sudden, we, we may have very, very various tools uh, to say that, um, that my goodness, um, uh, we can actually prevent these things uh, with some of this technology that's out there. And that's probably the really valuable piece out of this, uh, this thing. So, you know, getting that in there is, and, and you know, Given the information and, and, and that, that is now in available real time in vehicles and the opportunity to have, you know, computers sit there and control them, um, is there, oh, there the probability that you crash is not is not there and the probability that 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 you misbehave in using these vehicles. I mean, to me, that's that's really where the the next step of of FMCSA or any of these things should go is, is it, come on, you know, allowing somebody, uh, apparently I'm playing golf yesterday with, uh, with uh, Ishmael, my friend, who was in New York uh, the day before. He tells me that he's on 34th Street and all of a sudden this Tesla come roaring down the street at who knows what speed, certainly much greater than 25 miles an hour plows into a UPS truck, flies up in the air, comes down, blah, 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 da, da, da. They have to cut the person out of the, out of the vehicle and so on, of which a person is essentially unheard, I think, you know, because of, of course, the crash safety standards. But my goodness, why was that vehicle ever allowed to travel at that speed? I mean, the vehicle knows that it is going that fast. It knows where it is on 34th Street or whatever it was in Manhattan. Cut it out. The, the darn thing in there should have said, no, you're not allowed to go that fast. Cut back on the electricity going to that motor. There's nothing. Whether it was a Tesla yep. or not a Tesla, in, in some sense, doesn't matter. But it does matter here because it's a Tesla and, and it knows it knows. Yeah. And the problem nothing, is it's not doing anything about it. There's nothing preventing Nietzsche from doing exactly what, what's being done in, in Europe, which is putting on, essentially saying the car can't travel more than the speed limit. I mean, we have that in Europe now. It's, yeah, it's, well, it's, 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 an, it's a regulation. It, so we, the car, we, we can do that. There's nothing preventing that. And it could be put into the, the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards in exactly the same way as other things are put in there. And it becomes part of, of the certification and type approval, and it's there. What's preventing it? It's the same thing preventing people, the, the Congress of the United States, from preventing guns. We can get into a whole other kind of discussion. No. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, a, it's very similar. It's it is. Mindset, it's exactly. It's, yeah, it's the same exactly mindset. The, it's exactly the same. I agree with you. Okay, yep. uh, we can do this. The, uh, the public here per, apparently doesn't want them because we want to be free. Oh, we want to be free to just behave like total idiots. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'm going to keep writing about these kinds of things and and until I <laughs> until some, somebody decides to turn yeah. off my my printer ink. 
Well, a great yeah, assessment I mean, as it, always, it, Michael. As, as I also like to say along these things, we always talk about 90% of the uh, the crashes are caused by or have a human uh, involvement. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, these things that, that it's human misbehavior and it's not human involvement. It's because, you know, it allowed us to, you know, we were drinking and allowed us to drive it. We were going too fast. We weren't paying attention. We didn't, we, we, uh, you know, we had all these things in the vehicle and we, we cut the wires and we went around it and we hung a, a Coke can from the steering wheel to make it think that my hands were on it or who knows what all the other junk or we put a, a face up in front of the camera that's supposed to see whether or not your eyes are on there and, 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 and we gamed it and, and all of a sudden, oh, look at how cool we are and geez i mean we we oh we were able to trick it my goodness well uh, give me a star and 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 give me uh, 15 seconds of fames on the inner tubes i mean it's like crazy it's crazy and then what do we get we get what, what happened in texas and what happened in buffalo okay that's where we live great well Touching on a couple of other headlines from the dispatcher. Yeah, we, we need to move on from yeah, that we, one, right, Fred? Well, because we can it, stay on this one for, for the next five years get, and nothing will change. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not pretty at all. And, and, you know, and I guess Biden said it, you know, we better start getting some backbone at some point, deal with some of these things. We're, we're you know, enough's enough. Well, in the dispatcher, Michael, you talk about the Justice Department's antitrust division, Targeting Google Maps. Tell us about this. Uh, um, it, it really does feel like they've got too many people and you know too much money to play to play with. Um, what what I've tried to do here is to put put this into perspective. What what are they really trying to do? What is it? Are they, is it like well you know they're doing something for against Google in in Europe? We need to be doing something here. We need to show them who's the, who's the boss. So. They've they've picked on Google Maps. Now, I mean, I, I picked on NCAP, and you can say the same thing about you know Google Maps. Everybody uses it. Everybody thinks that they're terrific. Whether or not they are is really not really relevant. But the, the fact is that they're they're trying to say that if a car company, let's say like Volvo, decides to put Google Maps in their cars. And decides to have all of the interfaces and all of the the, the 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 Google structure around it, that they're preventing competition. They're inhibiting competition by doing that. And what I say is, if a, if a company decides to use Google Maps instead of using maps that have been made for navigation purposes, ALK uh, maps. Or, you know, if let's say let's just say <laughs> ALK maps, um, that that's a decision that they've made. If a company decides, like Volvo, that they're going to have the Google interface in their car um, for everything, for for doing their search and, and etc., they've made that decision. Why should the government have anything to say about that? I'm not going to buy a car that uses Google Maps because I don't do anything Google. That's my preference. That's what I've decided. So if, 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 a car, if I can't buy a car, if the car that I want to buy happens to have the entire infotainment system built around Google, I say, I'm sorry, but I don't buy this car. I go to, to another, so, and I can do that. What's the, what's the point of the government saying to, to me or to anyone, you have to allow competition inside your car if you've chosen. No, nobody's, that's nobody's business but, but mine or the, the, the person who's putting out this. It's like uh, the, the, the example that I've used is if I've paid for a set of programs and that set of programs doesn't include something which the government might think that's really important, you know, like NFL football. Well, should I should should I be forced to buy the NFL football or the channel that has that, or should that should the channel that I buy be forced to buy NFL football so that I can look at it? This is the kind of thing that that the government should really not have anything to say about. Um, there are better things for the Department of Justice to be doing than looking at Google Maps and cars. 
that's my point. Another quick headline uh, is, reads, honey, can you pump my gas one last time? Uh, this is the question of uh, what's going on in New Jersey. Should the yeah, ban this be like, lifted you know, on self-service gas pumps? Uh, the, only, the only thing that I can say, my qualification for, for writing this article, I mean, you live in New Jersey, both of you live in New Jersey. The qualification that I have is that I lived there for seven years. And during that time, um, the gas was pumped like every place else by experts, by the by people who really knew how to pump gas. And they really knew, you know, when they said, can we check your oil? Can you know, they want to top it up? You know, can we check the air pressure on your tires? So, you know, here we are. New Jersey is the last of the Mohicans. So the last of the of the 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 states where except for a part of Oregon, it's the last state where you can't pump when you're not allowed to get out of your car and pump the gas yourself. There has to be an attendant there. And funnily enough, just before I, I wrote this article, I happened to be in New Jersey. And I've got a picture of me sitting in my car, pointing my, pointing my, my uh, telephone out the window with my, my finger stuck down in the, the lower left-hand corner and seeing the attendant you know, looking off in the distance while there's this line connecting into my car, which he is, has nothing to do with. He's just staring out into, into, into space in Bernersville, New Jersey, um, while the car is, is being pumped with gas by this really nice little thing. I, it, I found out later that I, that I had really gotten taken here. I don't, I don't know if they, they just, you know, the guy gets off the, the interstate and pulled into Bernardsville and the first place he gets to charge me an extra buck per, per, uh, per, um, per gallon for gas there. But uh, yeah. So, and it's, what do you think? Is it likely that, that it's going to pass or is it, do you think that you're going to be stuck having to have attendance well, for the rest? The gasoline retailers federation, I think it's called in New Jersey yeah. had a lot of political clout for many years. I don't know mm. if that still exists, but still can't pump your own gas here so no it doesn't look like it's going to pass oh man you know i i while ago i drove i was in pennsylvania and i pulled into a gas station mm -hmm. and um and uh nobody yeah, came out to pump my gas so i figured the gas gosh. station was closed so i left yeah. and went down the you gas left. station down the street yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I was supposed to pump my own gas. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, New Jersey is probably the only the state, gas. I suppose. I look, I look back and, you know, there's a guy that pulled in behind me and he's there pumping his own gas. And I said, yeah. oh, my goodness. You know, how do I, I do this? What, what yeah. has happened to my brain? Well, <laughs> if people haven't yeah. left the state and they do leave the state, they, they may not know how to do it. So. They don't. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily, I, I, I don't know if this was COVID that i hadn't left the state or whatever i mean uh or it was a senior moment mm -hmm. <laughs> a really senior moment uh, we will be back but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor the smart etfs smart transportation and technology etf symbol moto to get more info head to motoetf.com on the website look for the white paper called the smart transportation revolution it's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there that can help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, you may know, can be a smart way to spread risk with investments, maybe focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is motoetf.com. We're back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guest, Michael Senna. Alan, a couple of headlines to get to. Uh, Pony... AI has lost its permit to test autonomous vehicles with a safety driver in California that for allegedly failing to monitor the driving records of the people they hired as drivers. Yep. I guess, you know, uh, they, California has regulations here and you better follow them. And again, uh, uh, especially in the testing, uh, you should have trained people in there um, to oversee this, uh, you know, they're um, great. I'm proud of you. Way to go, Bernard. We'll be seeing him soon, won't we? We'll be seeing him soon. 
Okay. Elon Musk once again saying that by this time next year, Tesla will have vehicles able to drive themselves without human supervision. Um, we've kind of heard this before, I think. From yeah, him. we've heard it before and it, it won't happen. And I mean, you know, what, what a shame. I mean, Elon, I'm a big fan of Elon, but, um, you know, um, but he is his own worst enemy. Uh, I know I'm my own worst enemy. Um, uh, he is his own worst enemy. I mean, why bother saying that? I mean, really? I mean, is it just to pump up the, the stock price or what? I mean, cut it out. It, you know, first of all, for him to do that, I keep saying that if, you know, he has to then say, if there's a crash, I'm the, I'm the one that's responsible. I'm taking care of everything. I'll fix it. I'll make everybody good. It's on me. Now, I haven't heard him say that. As soon as he says, hey, yes, my cars will drive themselves. And if anything happens, it's on me. I'll take care of you. I'll be there. I'll, I'll go to your funeral. I'll do all that stuff. I'll, I'll make your, your, your kids whole and so on. Make sure they get a Princeton education and so on and so forth. Great. But until he says that along with his cars, whatever, cut, cut it out. Michael, you, uh, I know, yeah, you're probably we, biting your tongue, but <laughs> no, no, that would, we, th those cars shouldn't be allowed on the road. None of those, none of the, they shouldn't be allowed to be selling this so-called full driving, whatever it is, they should not be allowed to, to sell autopilot. It should just not be allowed. It should turn off automatically as you get from someplace where it potentially could work like on a highway, although we know it doesn't work on highways either. Um, but certainly shouldn't be shouldn't be allowed to be used in in, uh, in anything resembling a, a residential area, which of course it is. You know that's that's it, and the laws are there. It's it's not like the, the laws aren't there. I've said this. I've written about this. I've, I've pointed to the laws. It's not as if they're not there. They're just not being enforced for some reason. He's 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 been able to cow the the authorities state authorities and, and federal authorities into believing that his cars are not quote autonomous because he tells everybody they have to keep their hands on the wheels and their their eyes on the road even though wink wink nope you don't have to because otherwise why would you pay twelve thousand dollars for this piece of junk so it shouldn't it should not be allowed to happen end of story it's the government's fault as much it is as it is Elon Musk's fault. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble here by jumping in because I'm, again, my own worst enemy. But, uh, but one of my former students uh, just came back for reunions uh, and stayed at the house here and, um, and drove his brand new uh, Model S Tesla from, um, from Chicago to Princeton. And of course, was dying to take me for a ride and I was dying to go. And, you know, I, I went to brand new, brand new Model S and with, uh, I guess, the latest and greatest or whatever. Um, when this thing is in uh, whatever auto drive mode, whatever you want to call it, there are two basic states, either a car following or a car leading. If you're in a car following state, it means that you're following a car. And as we know, just by human practices, if we follow somebody, it's a pretty easy thing to do. Okay. And so, you know, you just follow it. If the thing made it through whatever it was trying to go through, you just follow in behind. The control systems for doing that are really straightforward, really easy, no problem, wonderful. When you're leading, it's a whole different story because you're not following anybody, just like leading in anything else. It's tough to lead because to lead, you have to be able to whew, see what's ahead and deal with it. And the key thing when you're leading is to not run into things, okay? And the most difficult thing to not run into things are stationary objects. 
because you have to see them and you'd better stop because the car in front of you didn't all go through it. You could just go back. The car in front of you stops because of it. As it slows down, you slow down, you stop. Beautiful, intelligent cruise control, just beautiful. When you're leading, you have to see it. The Tesla disregards stationary objects ahead, even today. Because as we're going down the road, there's roads around here. Hey, it's not spring. There are tree canopies with leaves. Now, whether or not you're using radar, LIDAR, SHMIDAR, vision, who knows what, da 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 you see these things. And in fact, when you range them and so on, your approach velocity is in fact your velocity. Approach speed, speed, single dimension, not you know, multi-dimension velocity. And these things, you know, we're going down the road. We're passing under canopies of trees. Now, I don't believe that in the computation stack that's going on there, it says, oh, there's a stationary object ahead. Oh, but I can pass underneath it. I'm good. I think it disregards them. And then I went out hunting. We went out hunting for an overpass. Uh, around here in Princeton, there, you know, like locals, there aren't too many overpasses. We're all like flat people, whatever. But we went out in Hopewell and we found one. Okay. And I expected as we approached that, it would pop on this huge screen that's in there. Like it shows you that the traffic light that it sees and it shows you the stop sign that it sees and it shows you the, 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 the speed limit signs that it sees. It didn't show me the overpass. Why not? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't that be displayed? And why wouldn't it be displayed within a little distance thing that says 13 feet, six inches? Because it doesn't know. It disregards it. I bet. I'm almost willing to bet the ranch on it. Elon, prove me wrong. Show me the code. Show me that, in fact, you see it. Show me that you compute that. And show me that you said, hey, yeah, you can pass underneath it. And why didn't you do it when Joshua Brown was driving down the road in, in, in Florida and it approached that truck? And why didn't you say, hey, no, you can't pass underneath that, Joshua. I'm hitting the brakes. End of story. And owners should be aware of the limitations, I suppose. If, absolutely, if absolutely. It doesn't see it. And what happens if there's a, there was a truck parked in the lane ahead, stopped underneath that? And we came around the corner and all of a sudden saw that. Or the car in front of us moved out of the way and then we saw it, as it's done for how many uh, emergency vehicles? It's not that it didn't see the flashing lights. It all of a sudden went from car follower to car leader mode, car leader mode, object stationary ahead. Oh, don't expect that. There's never a stationary object. We can always pass underneath it. Forget about it. I think that's the code. That's the algorithm. That's the AI. Whew, I think I got in trouble. Well, Oh, I lost the ranch. I quite just <laughs> lost the ranch. <laughs> He's invited to join us. And it's He's invited safe. to join us. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, show me or let, yeah. let the, the, the guys who write your code tell me. I'm willing to sit there and look at the code. Moving on to another headline quickly. Uh, South Korean automaker Hyundai has announced it will spend $5 billion with a B in the U.S. on developing mobility solutions such as autonomous driving and robotics. Just another automaker, I guess, deciding to put their money. I guess so. The question is in the such as, you know, when you list a bunch of things and you take the five billion, then you have to decide which part of the five billion goes on what. And then you find out most of the five billion is going on a big screen that's going to allow you to play video games as you're going down the New Jersey turnpike. And you say, oh, my goodness, 
Sorry, but whatever, I guess. I don't know. Good, I'm out. Thank you. Great, Honda. I spend it here. We need the money. The Smart Driving Car Summit. We're getting to that now again, Alan. Uh, coming up <laughs> it's a week away, and, and things are, are really moving fast here. Oh, is it a week away? It's well, a week away. A week away. Yes, it is a week away. <clears throat> it, <clears throat> things are moving fast. Um, I am so proud of how it's coming together, if I may say so myself. Uh, I've, I've had my doubts. We, uh, Fred, we, uh, we, and, and Michael, we've had, uh, we've tried to get people and so on to participate. We have, uh, we have some excellent people that are, that are going to be here. And I think we're just going to have a really good discussions among people, among people who really want to try to make things happen. And, and, and I think we've made it clear that what we're interested in is, is a safe, equitable, uh, affordable, sustainable, high quality mobility for all. That's the focus. That's the main focus. We are also interested in looking at all the ADAS things and making sure that the cars are indeed safe. And if the cars are going to do things for us, they do it safely and, and so on and so forth. So the cars that we continue to buy and make sure uh, that all that is, but, but it's, it's really good. Um, um, yesterday, I mean, we even got a council uh, person uh, from, um, from Chandler to agree to come to Princeton and, 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 and tell us really what went on and what's going on in Chandler and how that's going in terms of trying to provide mobility for all and how well it does the safe, uh, the equitable, the, the, the affordable, the, the, the sustainable, the high quality in Chandler because they're first, they're first. So we're going to be able to hear, you know, here we're trying to be second or third or whatever, but we're, we're really trying to do it in a, in a, in a, in an environment where, where, where we think that it will deliver real value to people now, to make that happen and allow that to happen. And so on is, is, is we're finding is absolutely non-trivial, but looks like we have all, we have everybody lined up. Um, May Mobility is going to bring their vehicle or at least, you know, the precursor to their vehicles that could do a Trenton moves. We're going to, you know, parade it around, uh, get her. Turns out in Mercer County, I think, uh, you know, since, uh, since the dawn of man, there've been three, uh, you know, as I like to call them, Trenton makes wannabes or they, that, you know, vehicles that could possibly become driverless ever be in, in Mercer County. I only, I only four in the whole state, but three in Mercer County. My two for, you know, from the 2005 and 2007 DARPA and, uh, and, uh, and Ollie that we brought here at the third summit that ran around uh, the football stadium. You know, that's all. I mean, in California, I guess they run up and down all the streets in Arizona. They're everywhere. And in Miami, you see Fords all over the place. I mean, but poor us here in, in Jersey. I don't know. I guess we're the afterthought of the of the world. Uh, yet we have nine million people and 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 uh, and uh, basically 30 million person trips a day, um, substantial portion of which. Uh, could be improved and, and even more of those uh, improve people's lives here in Jersey. So we think we have a market for this technology. And so finally, we have some people coming. So May Mobility is bringing a vehicle. We're going to show it around. And, uh, and maybe GM Cruise is also bringing a vehicle. We haven't gotten final whether they are or they aren't. If they are, man, we're going we're gonna to take it around the county, you know, have a little pre-summit tour and we've um, talked about uh, trenton very often but this is much more than than just a trenton obviously this yeah no a moves movement so to yeah speak. it's the idea is to do a moves movement and and basically on saturday we're going to have the round tables that, that do that i mean of the people that we're going to have mayors from mercer county at nine o'clock discussing how do we take a successful Trenton moves and move it and, and grow it and, and throughout Mercer County, because, you know, scale is everything on this. It grows, it's, you know, it's 
Wagner's law. It's 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 at least as as the square of the of the size of the operational design domain, the value proposition of these things. So if not more. And so, and then after that, we're gonna we're gonna have mayors from around the around the state and even beyond the state. Maybe uh, Scranton. Talk, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe Scranton. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, And we're gonna we're gonna try. We're trying to get the mayor of Scranton. Michael is supposed to deliver us the mayor of Scranton, and maybe I yeah. don't know. I've even I've even invited the mayor of Jerusalem to come in. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a hall, and who knows? But. But uh, anyway, as I said, we're going to have a council person from the uh, from uh, from Chandler here. So who knows who else is going to show up here to say, how do we then take take the, the Trenton Mercer County moves and replicate it throughout the state? OK, so that we then, you know, again, grow this thing at least as square. Uh, and then and then, of course, um, then we're going to have a halftime show. Um, because it's like, you know, make this like a basketball game or something. The, the, that was the first half. The halftime show is going to be the, the, the Trenton Circus Squad. And there are a bunch of kids, you know, high school kids. And, you know, who uh, this friend of mine, his neighbor has put together in terms of training them in circus acts. And they're really great. So we'll have a little halftime show. And then the second half is going to be uh, uh, Robert Hampshire from uh, from USDOT, who's who heads up the research and development arm of USDOT, and and basically, you know, I think he's going to talk about how do we take a, a a New Jersey moves and then replicate that throughout the country, and really massively scale this thing. So you know, if if to me that's that's the opportunity here, the opportunity to provide you know, safe, equitable affordable, affordable on the production side, so that in fact, it doesn't require very much. You can even make money off of it. Even you've got to make money. There've been, there's been, you know, 200 billion invested in this. Hyundai is going to come in here and invest money in it. It better, it better make, you know, you invest to make money. Okay, so it has to make money, sustainable, high quality. Of course, it's got to be high quality, otherwise, None of us are going to use it. I mean, you know, we wouldn't be buying cars unless they gave us high quality mobility. Okay, we do for those of us that can afford it. Well, maybe, you know, make this affordable and so on. Mobility, how to get from A to B. Why do you want to go to B? Because, you know, the only reason to travel, it's the first thing I say in my class. There's only one reason. I tell them the only reason you're here in my class is because you thought this was the best place for you to be at this time. That's what we do when we go someplace. In our own minds, for whatever reasons we have, we've decided that as far as we're concerned, this is where we want to be. Otherwise, we would have been somewhere else. Otherwise, we would have done something else. Otherwise, we would have stayed in bed. So in fact, the act of going someplace really enhances personal value, quality, interest. Why we do it? Otherwise we wouldn't go. The place to and go for we're for all rational. I mean I, I, right. I argue we are all rational. From our own rationality and vive la différence, we're supposed to now you know tolerate differences, differences of thought. Absolutely. That's why we do things. We do things because we want to. Otherwise, we wouldn't. Uh. Now, we might say we were forced to, <laughs> but, uh, you know, forced to ended up saying, hey, this is what I want to. Sorry, I don't know. Well, we're going to suggest someplace for people to go, and that's uh, cartsmobility.com for more information and, and the agenda. Um, and you can register through there, too. Yeah, well, every uh, just to warn anybody who comes has to register uh, because you know there are strict COVID uh, requirements at Princeton, you know, with respect to uh, you know being vaccinated and um, and uh, and the testing that uh, one isn't sick. Uh, we're not out there requiring uh, testing, uh, but you you have to be vaccinated and you have to have proof for it. And you have to, you know, otherwise we, we can't let you in the building. 
Okay, so you know uh, that's just a you know, it's a necessary requirement. Absolutely. The site again, cartsmobility.com. We want to thank Michael Senna for spending time with us once again. Terrific as always, Michael, and great insights. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure being with you. Yeah, Michael, how was you were just on? Have we gone through how fast did this month go by? Oh my goodness! I, yeah, it I, seems like it really does seem like. And and when I when I was on last time, I was in the U.S. Yeah. Yes, and you visited me. It was so nice to have you visit me. It was great. Thank you. I got to see. I got to see that train in person. <laughs> <laughs> the website for the dispatcher and, and more is Michael L. Senna, S-E-N-A dot com. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF again is M-O-T-O. And more info is available at MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high quality mobility for all. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker. I could go on and on. Wherever you get podcasts from, smart speakers can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you.